You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Before we begin this week's episode, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live, and record, and recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. P.S. And welcome back to PS Stage Door Podcast. Today we have a very exciting episode for you guys as Tori and I do a little bit of a dive into some more influential women. But before we get into that, Tori, take it away with the bulletin. The cast of the Australian production of Pippin was officially announced last week to some excitement and to some shock. It is a stellar cast, though there is some upset due to the leading player being cast from the US rather than from our extremely vast talent pool in Australia. This is also a great time to remind everyone to head over to istandwiththequarter.com to sign the pledge and make your own pledge to the arts and to championing diversity in our industry. The American Theatre Wing will announce the nominations for the 74th Annual Tony Awards tomorrow, Friday the 16th of October at 2am Australian Eastern Standard Time over on their official YouTube channel. Now, a date has not been issued for the ceremony itself, but we will keep you updated. And in the meantime, don't forget to go back and listen to the first episode of our Influential Women in Theatre series, which talks about Antoinette Perry, the name behind the award. Back over to you, Libby. So today we're going to be discussing influential women like we did in our previous episode, which you guys actually really loved and you liked learning about these amazing, amazing women. Yeah, welcome to part two. Part two of that. And we've got some really great women to talk about today. But before we get into that, we thought we would actually talk a little bit about our weeks and kind of let you guys get a little bit of insight into Tori and I. What What we've been doing since the last episode. Exactly. So, Tori, what have you been up to lately? Oh, gosh. Work. (laughs) (laughs) Work as always. Work, missing theatre, all all the good stuff. I actually recently uh, started a masterclass, which is super exciting, uh, with the Hub Studio. So I'm doing the music theatre masterclass with Sean Rennie, which is so far. We've only had one so far we will have had two by the time this comes out and oh my god i i see what the hype is about it's like it's great amazing if you're in sydney and you can sign up for the next one and and you're a a performer or a singer do it it's it's so so incredibly worth it i see why (laughs) people are doing it and like our friend caitlin Kopovich, i see why this is her fourth time doing it it's yeah so good sounds amazing though i i really want to do it i need to do the next one Um, yeah it'll need to go on my list definitely oh god what else have i been doing i got a new job so i'll be starting a new job in a couple of weeks I'm like, oh, um, can you say what your new job is? Oh, look, I'll just say, I'll just say, I'm heading back into the retail world, which uh, was to my shock. But I've worked at this place before, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm actually pretty excited to be going back, and it was kind of an opportunity that came out of absolutely nowhere. But I'm super keen, and I guess that's kind of been my week. What was your? What, how how have you been since our last episode? 
Oh, well, lots of things are happening. <laughs> I'm, um, I found out today I'm moving this week, so that oh, should yes. be fun. I, um, <laughs> this week has been insane, guys. I literally oh, got my, my wisdom teeth out this week. Um, so I've been, this is my, um, one of the first days I've been really good to talk and like sing and do everything, which is so amazing. I'm like, yes. Um, and then actually this weekend I'm doing a show. I'm actually doing a show, which is so exciting. I'm like, it's being recorded. It's a workshop of a new Aussie show that hopefully you might see pop up soon. You've been absolutely killing it though. Recently you have this show on the weekend, which is kind of like, it's kind of like a workshop of it in, in a sense. It's a bit Mm. of a different, bit of a different take on a workshop, but it's a bit of a workshop of a new Aussie show. And didn't you just do, a quite intense callback for a university. Oh yeah, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> that was like your stress for like a month and you've completely blacked it out of your brain now. I did. I've been going through it's been interesting lately because I've been um thinking about going back and studying more because at mm. the moment like theater's not really going back and there's such an amazing opportunity to like continue to learn, but it is really interesting because, um, I mean, these these places are really hard to get into. And I think, I mean, I was really nervous in my callback, but who's not <laughs> nervous? Oh, look, but- it's so hard. I was nervous recording an audition for a university. Like, yeah. we both applied to unis this year just because, you know, there's, I think it's COVID has kind of really shown people that you, like, going back and learning is totally fine. And it's not a bad fine. thing. And I did, a, I did a course recently with one of the head of studies of, one of the schools and I was like oh oh I totally like see now why I would want to go back to study so I was like you know what like apply but you got a call back for a university that's so exciting it was was so so exciting and I was I was really proud of myself to to get that far and and in my mind I'm just going you know whatever happens happens if that's meant to be that's meant to be but you know, there's so much going on here in Sydney and I'm excited to just keep growing as a performer. And yeah, so I mean, that's what's going on with me. You're killing it. But uh, do you have any recommendations for our listeners? I do. I mean, I, this is just my recommendation for all year round, just whenever you feel (laughs) like it. I am obsessed with Ben Platt's album. I'm just like, I just can't get past it. Like I, I go to put other things on in the car and I, that's the only thing I listen to. So that's literally the only thing I listen to. Oh, and also I have been listening to End Juliet, which is a new musical. Guys, go listen to that. It was on West End a couple of years ago. It's pretty much, I think from memory, it's like, um, what would have happened if, uh, if Romeo died, but Juliet didn't? Like yes. if it if it didn't kill her, and it's, it's like her life didn't after. Die or something. Yes. Yeah, it's like there. It's like Shakespeare and another female writer. I don't know the show very well personally, but another female writer go back and rewrite it, and it's it. The music is it's like all your favorite like pop songs from like late nineties, early two thousands. And I thought I'd hate it, to be honest. Okay, to be honest, I don't love jukebox musicals, but I started listening to it, and I was like. Okay, this is a little bit of a bop. I'm okay with this. <laughs> Look, I got it. There's like specific jukebox musicals. Like one of my all-time favorite musicals ever is Beautiful, the the, the Carol King musical. Oh no, that and one is a thing of its own. I think. it is, it is. Yeah. But oh, I totally, I love, I love your recommendations for this week. Thank you. So, Tori, what's your recommendation of the week? 
Oh gosh, it's hard. I'm trying to think what I've been doing in the past like week, two weeks. Um, recently, uh, anyone who knows me, I love D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. I I play it for people, and I love podcasts in general. There is a new podcast, and it's kind of like a bit of a podcast. It's also a live stream. I think they also have it uploaded on YouTube called Realms mm. Apart. Really cool. It's a bunch of um, creators, a mix of YouTube, TikTok creators came together to do it. Oh, it's so good. It's so entertaining. It is long, I would say. So it's like, mm. I think the first episode is like two hours. So it's a it's a bit of a long one, but um, definitely 10 out of 10 recommend Realms Apart. I think they're on Spotify now and on YouTube. Um, but that would be uh, my recommendation for the week oh and also if you have audible and you like audiobooks listen to sandman by neil gaiman neil gaiman is one of my all-time favorite authors and they've just released sandman so it's based off his graphic novel and but they do it full on so it's got music it's got different people playing different characters it's got sound effects it's like uh what's it called an audio drama so it's like watching a movie but listening to it a 10 out of 10 recommend it's really good and it's thoroughly entertaining a little bit gory but definitely worth a listen that's but, um, so good I'll, I'll stop blabbering about this uh what no. do you think Libby should we jump into it I definitely think we should jump into it we have some we have two really cool women to talk about today I'm excited to yeah. get into it do I you want to take I think it away I'm with... first yeah. yeah do you want to go first yeah so actually on the last episode of Influential Women, Libby spoke about the phenomenal Vinette Carroll. Um, and it's actually quite hard to talk about Vinette Carroll without talking about Mickey Grant, which is the amazingly influential woman that I am going to be talking about today. Ooh. So a little bit of background. So uh, Mickey Grant is a three-time Tony nominee and one of few female composers to have had her work produced on Broadway, which in itself is just amazing incredible just amazing but also i wonder if those figures have changed between now and then or if if or if that is still really is true that there's not a whole lot of female composers out there which now be interesting now that i'm now that i'm thinking about Mm. i'm trying to think of some of my favorite composers and (laughs) trying to think some female i'm yeah I, i definitely can think of some but not many um but Not as many as I'd like. Yeah. So Grant is an enduring and absolutely remarkable talent in and of herself. Um, And she has a lot of historical significance. Part of that being she has been one of the first African-American daytime contract players on network television with running performances on soap operas, The Edge of Night, Guiding Light, and a seven-year run as attorney peggy nolan on nbc's another world now wait was she like an actor on them or was she a composer mm, for them wait, no she, she was acted act- in them yeah so she's she's this woman is is a mix of it she's like the full package she is an actor oh. she's a musician she's a composer she's a writer she's she's the full package i mean aren't they all i mean look, everyone women am i right talented beautiful Just so much talent um but that's kind of something I, I always forget about soap operas i kind of forget soap operas are a thing that exist i always think that they're a <laughs> right. joke like you know joey tribbiani was on days of our lives but dun, dun. they were they were real and she had a big influence um being the first um african-american to have a contract and so she was a long-running character on them 
So That's so cool. I'll give you a little more background into Gwen yeah. herself. So she was actually born Minnie Perkins, and she was born on June 30th, 1929 in Chicago. Her parents, Gussie and Oscar Perkins, encouraged her to go into the arts, even though neither of them were particularly in artistic professions. So Grant kind of, I think, began this journey to where she kind of ended up by beginning to play piano at the age of eight. And she started drama classes at age nine. And after high school, she actually moved to L.A., uh, where she was cast in James V. Hatch and C. Bernard Jackson's 1959 musical Fly Back blackbird oh my god can't speak english today fly blackbird (laughs) which soon after moved to new york in 1962 ah is this where she made her like transition to new york yes it is indeed so while she was in new york uh she pursued both her acting career and her higher education which i kind of think is a little bit insane because she's performing in a professional show at a professional standard and also studying a BA at the same time. What was a BA in? So she graduated summa cum laude from CUN Wise Lehman College, earning a Bachelor of BA in English and Theatre. Ah, I was like, was it theatre? I wonder if it was... Oh, of course, because then she's a composer and a writer. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, And she did previously also study music in Chicago as well. Um, So she kind of already had the musical background and she did study music, I believe, at a college level. Um, And she then continued to study acting even whilst performing in a professional show, which I think just really goes to show that, you know, you never stop learning. Like, you can finish university, you can be doing professional shows, but you're, like, the, the learning process doesn't just stop it's not like you're done and you're like great I am now a professional hire me that's so interesting I mean we were literally just talking about that I mean both of us have studied before and we've like we've been doing Mm -hmm. like musical theater outside of uni yeah but now and then we're both like oh well actually I really want to go back and study and so that's so interesting because it's like she's doing that as well yeah I mean Parallels, guys. Parallels. Yeah. It's, I I think, and I just think the fact that she was studying whilst in a show. It wasn't like she did a show and then was like, okay, that didn't feel great. Let's go back and study more. She was doing it whilst she was performing in a show. And if that wasn't Mm. enough, also during this time, Grant was really beginning to write and compose. And that is where her collaboration with Vinette Carroll began. Ah, this is where the crossover happens. Yeah, this is where they kind of combine. So Grant and Carol collaborated on the musical review, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, which Libby spoke about in the last episode. Which, let me tell you, it (laughs) is a bop. It's a bop. There are so many shows that I, well, these two in particular that I'm going to be talking about, that I was shocked that I hadn't heard of them before because they're really good like they were on broadway they are really for a good. reason why have i not heard about them more um but it has introduced me to a whole bunch of new repertoire as well which i'm not mad about um exactly and so don't bother me i can't cope it made its broadway debut in 1972 but grant and carol 
also worked together on Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. I think we need to have a sit down and just watch some of these shows. Yeah, um, I really, I'd love to. Because also I think, um, just for me personally, listening to a show and watching a show, two very different things. Mm. Um, like one of the other shows I talk about later, Working, um, I found some clips actually from some productions and it gave me a completely different um, view on the show than just listening to the soundtrack did. So, Yeah, you get so much more out of it. Yeah, so they also worked on that particular show, Your Arms Too Short to Box with God, which landed on Broadway in 1976, which Grant actually performed in. Um, And she also performed in uh, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, which is, again... What? I didn't realise that. Wow, that's cool. Something that I will talk about, because it's it's a really interesting idea to me of the person that writes it also performing in it which is you know like a connection to like Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say yeah those Lin-Manuel vibes and I think <laughs> it does amaze me that these women wrote these shows that were then on Broadway when you think about the time in particular mm. and I think a big help in that way behind this collaboration and being able to get the shows put on by women and by women of colour at a time when women weren't really very big in the theatre world other than being actors and like dressers or costume designers was due to being able to do this work through Carol's urban arts group organisation. So I think that played a big part in that. And obviously Mm. if you're interested in learning a bit more about that, go back and listen to last episode where Libby spoke about that in much more detail. Because obviously I'm not talking about Vanette Carroll. She's just kind of interwoven into this a little bit. Something that really um, intrigues me about women or just people in general who not only act, but they also write and compose and direct because I think they have a really unique view of the work. I think coming from the aspect of creating it and then also portraying it. And I would love, yes. I would love to pick her um, Grant's, Mickey Grant's brain about whether it was it like an active decision when writing the show that she was then to portray the role or whether it just kind Ooh. of, yeah. Or whether it just kind yeah, of became yeah. something that during the process, it kind of became known of oh, she's kind of the right fit for this role. Yeah, it was like they couldn't find the right person. They're like, well, she is this and like this yeah. is this is the role that's that she's meant to like this is a story that she's meant to yeah. deliver. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's is it her story to tell? Was it written that yes. way by yeah. her? Same with like Lin Manuel Miranda. Like, did he go into writing in the Heights and Hamilton going, Oh great, I'm gonna <laughs> yes, play I'm Alexander gonna Hamilton <laughs> or was it just you know, kind of went, I mean, oh, this all power to them if they do. Oh, like, yeah. I'm like, if I was going to write a musical and I can sing and I'm like, I'm doing musical theatre, I'm going to cast myself in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> May as well. <laughs> Something else that I found really interesting, and again, a musical I didn't know about, and it confuses me because it's a Stephen Schwartz musical, <gasps> which was working which is a 1978 musical adaptation of studs terrell book i'm so sorry i've probably got that person's name wrong um (laughs) but it's the book titled working people talk about what they do all day and how they feel about what they do so it's a long ass title but that is a very long title yeah i mean you know it's Schwartz, so he can do what he wants yeah you know (laughs) and look you can probably guess from the title of that show it's pretty much a in a sense, it's a song cycle, but it's also a complete show. And it's kind of 
feels when I was listening to it, it has a little bit of a chorus line feel to it of these are these individual people telling their stories. Um, That's cool. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they don't. Half the time they have nothing to do with each other. Kind of like songs for a new world. Mm, Similar themes, but completely different people, completely different songs. And so, so she was one of many different writers on this show, including Mary Rogers, Craig Carnelia, James Taylor, Susan Birkenhead, and of course, Stephen Schwartz. Yeah. And that's so so many amazing writers and composing legends all in one show. That's what like broke me about. I was like, how do I not know about this show? Yeah, that sounds so weird. Like, I can't believe I don't know. Like, we we haven't heard about it, but, but it's really cool that we don't know about it, but we should, like, look into it more because it's really awesome that they had so many different composers. Yeah. They bring so many different views. Like, there's mm-hmm. probably songs that each of them worked on more than the others, which would be really interesting to, like... Yeah. Have a look at what her specific, like, yes. the songs that she worked on more than the other ones were. Yes. And I will say from from listening to that and um, to some of her other shows that she's written for, I can definitely, I feel her voice throughout the show. Um, and, like, I can kind of, it's, whilst it's completely different shows, completely different topics, I definitely can. She has a very specific voice um, and it definitely comes across, which is really nice. And I think for a show like this, having a whole bunch of different writers works really well because it's a bunch of different people's stories. Whereas a show like <laughs> I saw SpongeBob, the musical on Broadway. <laughs> and look, it was kind of fun. It, it was okay. Like I wasn't like blown away, but I also wasn't like super let down by it. It was kind of like a last minute decision. But they had multiple different writers from all over the place and you could really tell because it kind of mm. felt like every song was its own yeah. thing. And because it's meant to be one continuous story, it kind of didn't work. If it was multiple, lots of different stories of different people's points of view, I think it works really well. I need to listen to this. Uh, yeah, do it. Uh, it was nominated for six Tony Awards. So what? it's just a smorgasbord wait, of amazing creators. Wait, what year was it again? It was uh, 1978. That's actually like... Uh, to. Well, I'm surprised that it's not more well-known. I mean, there's so many musicals that kind of get forgotten, but Mm -hmm. considering it won so many Tony Awards and we have these classics that we constantly go to, it's interesting that this isn't one of them. I mean, um, there would be some great material in here because they are standalone songs. Mm -hmm. That's crazy sorry i just like wow yeah i want to do an entire episode on underrated musicals because i've been listening recently to a musical called get jack which is all about jack the ripper and like the women that he killed um and it's really cool it's very interesting it's got a bit of a hades town vibe um it's i i I love it i'm not going to talk about that right now but like there are so many underrated musicals out there that just get forgotten that are actually really good and maybe just didn't make it initially Mm. so obviously mickey grant has done a lot of phenomenal stuff i didn't touch on all of her shows because there's actually quite a few shows that she wrote for um both composed composed lyrics and book um but in june 1980 mickey grant's final broadway musical it's so nice to be civilized open and closed within a week so (gasps) wasn't yeah wasn't quite the hit that it was expected to be but also 
when you think about the fact that prior to that, how many hits she did have, you know, you're yeah. you're bound to have a miss. Um, so I can see how that happens sometimes. It just, mm. you know, it's a good idea and it just kind of doesn't really work. But Grant has just, like, there's not necessarily a lot of information about why she was so influential. But I'm hoping from what I'm telling you, you, you understand why she is such an influential person. Like, being one of few female composers... On Broadway, she strived to study. She strived to make change. And she worked with so many amazing people. And she has won so many awards. Like, she has won the Helen Hayes. And her other awards include she won a Grammy, a Drama Desk Award, an Outer Critics Circle, an NAACP Image Award and the National Black Theatre Festival's Living Legend Award, the Traumatists Guild Lifetime Achievement Award, and the AUDELCO's Outstanding Pioneer Award. So, wow. People Jesus. can. <laughs> she's got a long list of awards, but people can, you know, people know and people can see why she has such an influence. But it, it really is a shame. And as I'm sure with all of these women, why are they not spoken about more? Why didn't we learn about these women yeah, at university? I mean, like I would love, would have loved to know where some of this came from. And it gives me so much more confidence to, you know, get back into writing. I will never be at this level, ever be at her level. But it gives me so much more confidence to get back out there in writing and and I mean she in a way representation and having um just the platform to be able to share your stories is influential and that's why she is an influential woman a woman it's it's about the how she pushed the music industry how she pushed Mm -hmm. musical theater because with every single composer we push it in a new direction because everyone comes with their own ideas so it's yeah so it's really she was a very influential composer and writer and actor she really was and she like she still is she did so much for the theater industry and so i think we can all kind of see why she is such an influential uh not only influential woman in general but an influential woman in theater and it's really interesting her view of success in theater because when she was talking about it in 2018 and asked about the success of don't bother me i can't cope she pretty much responded with that obviously she always hoped it would be successful but you just don't know when you don't write necessarily in the hope of it being successful mm. you write with tr- with truth and she said because when you do write you do write for posterity overall it's quite clear how much mickey grant did for the future of theater and of course for women in theater composers you know actors just women in general and reading about her journey really makes me want to push myself more and push the boundaries of theater and myself even more. It just goes to show how many women in theater truly had such a great influence on the theater world. Like Grant paved the way for female composers and writers and showed the world her talent, which then helped and assisted to open doors for others. She has lived and continues to live. She is she's still with us now. She is 91. Wait, really? Yeah, she's still with us now. She is 91 and she continues to live a long, light-filled life, which I believe she is 
truly and extremely deserving of because she is one of the strong women who helped pave our way to where we are now and to where theater is now that's incredible she is amazing i i agree (laughs) hence why i I spoke about her and look there are so many amazing women in theater that are not spoken about nearly enough that we will be talking about but for now that's where i will leave mickey grant's story i definitely recommend doing some of your own research into Mm. these women as well learning about you know how the world of theater you know it now got to where to where it is there's so much more but anyway libby i will pass it over to you who are you talking to us about today well, today I'm talking about Cheryl Crawford. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I I read a little. I read a little bit on her. I read a little bit. She's so cool. I was just reading about. I was looking into all these different people, and there were so many things that jumped out to me. Yep. Now I am a sucker for Marlon Brando. Okay. Marlon Brandon. Brandon. Oh Bra- my God. Brando. No, it's Brando. Brando. You got it right Brando. the first time. Oh, Marlon cool. Brando. He is a 19, like 20s, 30s, 40s actor who was incredibly good looking. I don't know if anyone has uh, <laughs> taken a good peek. Um, <laughs> and incredibly talented. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is what I was about to get to. He was a Hollywood movie star and a director, predominantly known for his work in the like 30s and 40s. Um, and he had a huge cultural influence over the 20th, 20th century film. Now, why is he relevant right now when we're talking about mm. women? Well, I found it very interesting when looking up Cheryl Crawford that the acting school he went to alongside other influential movie stars of the era, like James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, um, later like Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, like so many incredible performers (laughs) was actually created by Cheryl Crawford. Wait. Yeah. The... The acting school was created. The, uh, is, by, it that, is that the acting studio? Yes. Oh, yes. no way. Yes. So I thought I would look into this, the amazing life of Cheryl Crawford. <laughs> so not only doing the actor's studio, she also co-founded the group theater. So she did the oh. actor's studio and the group theater. Yeah. And at the time, these two were considered major movements in American theatre, which is very cool. And I will go into more detail about that later. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But they, it, it, that's really what sparked me to look into this amazing woman. And I absolutely love to hear, I don't know about you, but I love to hear what they wanted to do originally because in this yes. era, it was very, you know, mm-hmm. you've got you've to be the housewife, you've got to do all these like stereotypical things. And when you're a kid, that's what your brain rushed to want and to do. Yeah. But as you grow up, then you have your own wants and needs and that's what changes your career path. Yeah, and it, re- and you, you know, it helps you realise like wh- where you actually fit into the world, not where society wants to shove you. Exactly. And it was super surprising when I was looking into it because when she was 15, she wanted to be a missionary, which is someone, <laughs> yeah, I know, which is someone who like preaches and educates about religion. Um, but I found that really interesting because I was like, oh, maybe a nun if she was like Christian, she'd probably go maybe. and be a nun. Oh my gosh. What, yeah. a, what, a, what a turn. <laughs> oh, and she is like any, like, it's, 
Like you just, her life is so different than this. Like, um, so she wanted to do that, but then her local production of Macbeth was a turning point for her because she played Lady Macbeth. And from then she realized that she wanted a life in theater, which I find very ironic that she played this murderous woman. And then there was a huge shift into the lens of being like, from being a missionary to being a murderous woman. And she's like, ah, yes, theater. She's like, I love this. This is where, uh, this is where my life needs to go now. Yeah. Um, so she started out her career working at the Theatre Guild, being an actor, a stage manager, and later a casting director. Um, and she herself actually performed on Broadway in two plays before moving into other posi- positions such as producing. So this is one of the major things as to why I wanted to look into her because she was a major Broadway producer. Um, which is incredible, especially as a woman, because I feel like we don't really hear too much about female producers and things like no. that. So, yeah. So when she started out, she really tried to hand at a whole heap of different things. Which is good because, you yeah. know, like, yes, you can make your way into the world of theatre and, and love acting, but there is generally, you know, you'll find there are so many other things in the world of theatre that you are equally sometimes even better um, at than just yeah. acting. So it's, I'm, I'm glad, you know, uh, that people then and now do still feel that, you know, being comfortable and exploring different avenues within the world of theatre. Exactly. And now, before I mentioned the group theatre and how it was like a big movement mm. of that era. Yeah. So basically what happened was that she left the Theatre Guild to create a new theatre collective with Harold Clerman and Lee Strasberg. Yeah. Where they wanted to, yeah. Where they wanted to produce and teach theatre that they believed in. It was dedicated to the Stanislavski acting method as well, which is really cool because this is basically like the acting and shows were were more forceful and naturalistic and focused on the artistry and it was collectives like this that moved forward the way that we act in film today it's like less melodramatic and more truthful because yeah. that was the silent film era going into the picture the uh talkie talkies yeah the talkies um, the talkies so they were huge that that's why the movement was so big is because they were teaching acting practices and also well this collective not teaching but they were putting on shows and productions and things like that where they were learning about this new way of acting and moving forward acting into a more realistic and what we see today which I find so cool and through that group um, she produced and directed plays that were socially relevant to shake up the theatre world so they wanted to also bring forth things that were relevant yes. to them in that in that time period. Love that. I love that. We love that. And on Broadway, she co-directed with Strasbourg the House of Connolly with um, Stella Adler and directed Dawn Powell's Big Night in 1933. Stella Adler. Adler. She's it. Stella the- Adler is, is it the Adler School of Acting, right? Or Stella Adler... Stella Adler Studio of Acting. No way. Yeah. She founded, yeah, she founded the Stella Adler Studio of Acting in New York in 1949. Sorry, you said Stella Adler and I was like, that name sounds so familiar because it was actually a school that I was looking at going to in New York. She must have like done, so Stella Adler must have been on the production team for that. Oh, no, she was an actress. She was also an actress. No, I thought she, yeah, I thought she was an actress. Yeah, so she was an American actress and an acting teacher. 
Right. That's so cool. And yeah, wow, amazing. And she also did Till the Day I Die in 1935 and Weep for the Virgins in 1935, which is would be interesting to look into. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting title. Okay, interesting title. Um, especially for that that um that time period. Yeah. I really actually would be interested <laughs> to look into that. Um, but she realized her strengths lied in producing, which is it was more detail oriented and and to be frank, apparently she was just good at making the moolah, which Ooh, is wow. really interesting, especially in a time where I mean even now most producers are male. So, yeah. I mean that I know of. Um, a male. So, at, especially in that time period, it was it's mostly male driven, and she was a female in that world, and she was making the money. So I'm yeah, like, she was. Yes, girl. Now the show that helped her establish her name as a well respected Broadway producer was her 1942 revival of Porgy and Bess. Oh, oh I love Porgy and Bess. Everyone loves a good poor game best that ran for 286 performances at the Majesty Theatre. Wow, that's a long time for that time. It's a bloody long time. <laughs> it is. It is. And it went on to tour and be more of, well, I found this really funny. It was more successful than the production that was put on by the Theatre Guild. So it's like she went from being in the Theatre Guild and then she she created her own company. Yeah, and now she's like (laughs) producing Porgy and Bess and it did way better than them, Um, which I'm sure would have been a really satisfying moment for her. Oh, most definitely. (laughs) And, I mean, she has a long list of credits from musicals such as Brigadoon, Paint Your Wagon. Okay, I can't say this name, but I'll give it a go. Flahule. (laughs) Oh, Okay. And One Touch of Venus, two, um, two Tennessee Williams. So she also did plays. So she did plays and she did musicals as well. She even went on to start the American Repertory Theatre from which the actor's studio was derived from. That's awesome. She, my God, she's done so much. I know, right? This is why I was like looking into her and I was like, oh, oh my God. And she's just a very interesting person. Like I'd love to have a good... Uh, have a drink with her and have good chats because she also seemed like quite a lively person yeah. as well. Um, she was described as a woman of poker playing instincts and gaming skills and her motto was, there are doors to the inevitable everywhere. She was super, I think she was really switched on. She was yeah. very a very smart woman. She, she had that poker face that you need as a producer and I think she, you know, had that hard, a bit of hardness, but a lot of character, a lot of charisma. Um, and obviously, considering the major things that she's done and, and who, how many people that she's worked with and collaborated with, um, it, she's a very, very interesting woman. I, I actually was looking, when I was looking into her, it was interesting about her personal life. Now... I also found it to be quite interesting. It's not something that I wanted to lead with because I think that her as a woman is more important than her sexual orientation. But during this time period, I think it's important to her story. Um, She was actually a lesbian and it was widely known within the theatre social scene. She had a longtime partner called Ruth Norman, who was a chef and cookbook author. So, yeah, so she, um, you know, she was... 
she was really influential, I think, because she was also out. And in the theatre community, it seems like, from what I'd read, that, that it was widely known that she was a lesbian. It wasn't mm. something that was that hidden. She, or, that she hid. That she hid. Yeah. I don't think she hid it. Also, um, in a couple of photos, she's got quite short hair, and it seems like she really stuck to her own style and, and wanted to be her own person. Yeah. And I... I just loved that, like, like seeing that in that in that time era as well was just so cool. Um, so yes, what a woman! She her career oh my God. was she did so much, so much in her career, and she was a producing genius in my mind for the era. And yeah, and she, I mean, she acted, she produced, she wrote, she did everything. Really, she did it all. Um, a woman of all. many talents. But I mean, this is okay. This is really sad. But this is also one of the things I actually found when I first looked into her, which I I actually I think I know what you're about to talk about. And I was like shook. I was shook, guys. I was shook. Her death. I know it's so sad. Like I don't like talking about death in a funny way. No, but it's not funny. But it's it's just it's a very unfortunate thing that happened. Unfortunate. I just don't know how this happens. I mean, um. It really, you know, sparked me to look deeper into her because I just thought it was so odd. But in June 1986, she was walking up the staircase to the new dramatist building when a student opened a windowless door too quickly and she was knocked down the sidewalk. And she died on October 7th, 1986 from the injuries she sustained from that fall. It, and it, I was like, there must have been a lot of stairs or something that she actually had to fall yeah. down. Because how old was she at the time? So she was 84 when she died. And so for for at that time as well, it's it's a solid life. And I think also you, you, when you do think about the fact that she was 84 and if she got knocked down some stairs, you know, at that age, there are injuries that you can sustain that for our age, we'd be fine and we'd recover mm. from, but that can cause infection. At, at and, 80, yeah. But I also, it's it's really bad. It's kind of selfish to think, but that poor student as well. <gasps> I didn't knowing, think that. Knowing oh what they God. caused. They just, they, they by complete killed accident. a legend. They killed a legend. <laughs> That's so... Oh, my God. That's horrible. Oh, my God. So, um... So, yeah. Anyway, that's... um That is Cheryl Crawford. She... I just think of her as a complete badass. Oh, yeah. In my head. I just, like... When I was looking into her, I was just like, this woman is so cool. I just want to, like, yeah. have mad chats with her and get to know her and... Well, you can only read so much on Wikipedia and I mean, there's a whole life that someone lives and I'm sure there would have been so many more interesting stories. I'd actually love to see maybe a a film or something done on her because I think her life was was quite interesting and I think there's a lot of, um, there was a lot of things that she was battling at that time that would have been really interesting to see. Like to be experiencing yeah. and to maybe see on film or yeah. in some in some way, but yeah. So it'll be, it would be interesting to to uh, see a movie on her. But yes, that yeah. is Cheryl Crawford, the amazing Cheryl Crawford. So we hope you guys have enjoyed a little bit of our influential women of this week, yes. Mickey Grant and Cheryl Crawford. They are two very different women, yes, um, with different stories to tell. 
but I think both very important. Yeah, and definitely make sure that you do go back and, of course, if you, if you want to learn more, there's only so much we can cover in a period, of, <laughs> yeah. in, in an episode. So do go and do your own research into them. Learn about the other women, men, people that influenced theatre that are the unsung heroes of how we got to where we are now. Exactly. And also let us know what you guys thought about this episode if yes. you guys want to hear more women i know though a, a couple of people were messaging us and saying hey we really want to see another influential women episode yeah. um and we were more than happy to yes. produce that because yeah. we also get to be educated ourselves yeah. which is so much fun and a big part of us doing this podcast to begin with was to learn more discuss things create a community and platform for people to discuss so if you have any women that you would like us to talk about um i know that we are going to do an episode on uh, australian influential women but i will say that that information is a little bit harder to find so we want to do some good deep proper research into that before we go ahead with that episode but if there's anyone you want us to talk about or any other topics you wanted to talk about or you have any questions quandaries queries you know, feel free to drop us a line on Instagram via our website or via our email, which are all listed in the little description at the bottom of this episode. Now, before we uh, sign off for today, just quickly, we thought we'd do a bedtime story and we actually (laughs) thought it might be fun just to do one from us. So Tori's actually got a story. Tori, (laughs) would you like to share your bedtime story with us? I shall. I shall. So... I'm going to be telling you a story and look, I think it was funnier in my head when it happened. So hopefully it's still funny and enjoyable for you to listen to now. <laughs> uh, but pretty much, uh, I think it was last year. Oh my God. It was, would have been June last year. I was in a production of The Crucible um, playing Abigail. Uh, so if you don't know The Crucible, it's about the Salem witch trials. Um, and well, it's about witch trials in general. Um, but pretty much I play an evil litting, little conniving witch in a sense um who is pretty much trying to destroy lives in a way to to get what she wants there was just one night where i was feeling a little bit under the weather and i it was a night of just so many things going wrong for me things that probably nobody else noticed but me um like just to name off a few i stood on my skirt and i felt the back of it because like we were wearing period appropriate clothing so i had a skirt down past my feet it was a great costume by the way it was a great it was a great costume our costume designer was phenomenal um but there were many times where i was thrown onto the floor or i was on the floor and had to get back up but didn't couldn't because of the time period that we were in couldn't like hitch up my skirt to do it And that night in particular was just a night where things, I kept stumbling on things. I kept hitting things. We had a, (laughs) we had a stage that was on a slant uh, to give effect, but that meant if anything sat on it that wasn't meant to, it would roll off the stage. Oh no. Pretty much. I remember at the very beginning of the show, I carry um, (laughs) my little friend Riley on stage. She was playing Betty, my cousin, and I carried her on stage onto her bed. She's meant to be unconscious. And I remember it was always a fear of mine that I was going to drop her. But on this particular night, I came actually legitimately close to dropping her (gasps) as I was stepping up onto the stage from backstage. I just remember hitching, hitting my skirt and being like, oh, no, this is it. (laughs) We're going down. But 
thank luckily Riley managed to like grab onto my skirt and like pull it up a little bit more for me so that it wasn't exactly looking <laughs> well she was hitched. like supposed to be unconscious yeah she was just like hitching your skirt she up. just she just had like one Helping arm girl out. dangling down <laughs> but the, the thing that I actually wanted to talk about was and I have no recollection at all of this happening but there's a courtroom scene running around the room we were in like a courtroom screaming and I pointed at someone and apparently you could see it on stage and off stage and in the audience. I put my finger into somebody's mouth and it <gasps> stayed there for a second. I have no recollection of doing this. Wait, what? Yeah, apparently. You put your finger in someone's mouth? Apparently. <laughs> I was pointing, um, I think, at one of the other characters and my finger just apparently went into his mouth and it stayed there for a second. And then later on in that same scene, he pointed at me and his finger went into my mouth, apparently. What? But no. I, people on stage, because apparently, because I couldn't figure out people, there was some of the uh, people in some of the smaller characters or smaller roles, um, where I could kind of see it. I was very focused in, in it, because it's a very intense scene. But they were kind of, and I could see people like struggling a little bit. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't even like a funny moment. There are a couple of funny moments in the show. And I just was like, okay, whatever. I, maybe I stumbled on a line or something. And then, yeah, we got off stage. And um, the stage um, manager was like, did you mean to do that? And I was like, to do what? What do you mean? I thought I had, like, stuffed something up for someone. She was like, you put your finger in his mouth. I was like, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I did what? But I, I have no recollection of this at all. Like, I don't remember doing it. Um, but, yeah, apparently it was something that transpired and... it's just something that always sticks with me now from that show that there was a moment in a very intense scene that I apparently stuck my finger into somebody's mouth. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's actually really funny. I really like that. But that's, that's my small bedtime story that hopefully was funny. Thanks for sharing your bedtime story, Tori. I I love them. There's plenty in the bank, but that was the one that I was thinking of. So yeah, no, I love it. Oh, it's so much fun to have a little chats about our bedtime stories. It is. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We were really excited to bring this one to you guys. We hope you've had a little bit of fun, gotten to know us a little bit more as every episode. And, I mean, we've got some really exciting episodes coming up that we can't wait to share with you guys. Yes, um, very excited. So make excited. sure you stay tuned. Yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, and we, and we hope you learned a little something today about you know, your background in theatre and how you're able to do the things that you can do now and also knowing that you are able to push the boundaries. More these women did it before us to get us to where we are now so we can continue doing it and continue to fight for what is right and fight for diversity in theatre and just opportunity within theatre because it's there it might not be given to us or the opportunity given to us but we can fight for it so yeah thank you so so much for listening but until then stay happy healthy and safe thank you so much for listening to today's episode and we hope you enjoyed don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rate and review on apple podcasts and to send us your bedtime stories and stage door sunday pics We also would love to hear your feedback on the episode and what you'd like to hear from us in the future. You can let us know on our Instagram at ps.stagedoorpod, via our email at ps.stagedoor.podcast at gmail.com or contact us via our website psstagedoorpodcast.com.
We love hearing from you and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.